Hello and welcome to the WooCast episode number 45 with Ashley Easter. My name is Mackie. And I'm Juliet. And we're here to explore all things weird, weird and, and woo-woo. woo-woo. Welcome, everybody. Very excited to have Ashley on the show today. Ashley is a cult survivor turned intuitive master who helps women escape the self-doubt and harness their intuition so they can take control of their destiny by becoming intuitive AF. She is the founder of Intuition Master, the six-week course to take you from intuitive curious to full-on intuition master and intuitive success. She has a membership, a private platform called Intuitive Success for souls desiring support through monthly card readings and women's intuition circles. She's been named in the Washington Post, Huffington Post, The New Yorker, and Marie Claire Magazine. This conversation, guys, was just so insane (laughs) in the best way possible. I've never met anybody who was actively in a cult and escaped a cult. And yeah, something I've been fascinating with for many years and have watched many documentaries on all the things that have to do with cults I'm in. I always want to watch them because it's like, how does this happen? How does somebody end up in this situation or are they born into this? And how does one go into a totally different reality when they are you know, indoctrinated into one way of being. And so Ashley really shares her story, her powerful story, very vulnerably. And the most of what we got out of this episode, beyond just learning all about the cult that she was in and and how she, you know, got out of it, was really about our intuition. And how do we master that and listen to that deep inner knowing and wisdom that we all have? I think of it like a technology that lives inside of us and how do we access that technology in order to enhance our path and or walk the path that we're really meant to walk. So this episode will give you tangible tools on how to listen to your gut, your intuition, your knowing. And I hope that you enjoy this as much as we did. I've been thinking a lot about this episode since we uh, recorded it and have been utilizing the tools myself, and it's been very powerful. So without further ado, enjoy this episode about your intuition. And we are rolling. Ashley Easter, welcome to the WooCast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this, binging all your past episodes, and I'm just like, Ooh, I cannot believe I get to be on here. <laughs> You're like, woo woo for the woo cast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so awesome. I mean, I have I, I get so like emotional when any listener reaches out to me on Instagram and shares with me about what they have taken away from our show and the episodes. And so just thank you. Thank you for articulating, you know, how you were feeling from listening to our show, because it just means so much. Because, you know, sometimes you're like, am I just talking to the void? You see, you can see your (laughs) analytics and you can see like how many listeners you have, but we don't get to like see them or connect with them, you know? Yeah, after a while, those just turn into numbers. And I'm the same way when I listen to shows. I'm not like reaching out to the people that I'm listening to and being like, I love the show sometimes, but so just thank you for that. It's great that we got connected. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like you all are doing something really special and the episode, um, you have so many great episodes, but the one, um, where you're talking about, um, was it post-traumatic, um, growth that, that really was just a great way to word things, a great perspective to have and I was just like I have to I have to connect with these friends. <laughs> yeah. Where are you currently situated? Where's home for you right now? Right now I'm in North Carolina outside of Winston Salem. Um have you ever heard of the Andy Griffith show probably? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I actually live in Mount Airy, which is like what Mayberry was based on. So yeah, that's where I am right now. But I usually say Winston-Salem because it's kind of the closest big city and <laughs> where I love to be. Yeah, no, I hear you. I It's always like that when you live in certain places, like even for you, Mackie, did you just tell people you lived in Philly when you were yeah. growing up? <laughs> yeah, I grew up in King of Prussia, which is like 25, 30 minutes away from Philly, but right. it's just easier. And yeah, I live yeah. in Philly. Yeah. 
Yes. Yes. That's awesome. So getting some humidity right now. Yeah. And, you know, it's not supposed to rain today, but it's just like kind of a little overcast. It's like thinking about rain. And I'm like, I can really use some of that sunshine again. I really could. <laughs> that is like a drug for me, sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> that vitamin D. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're getting a lot of that here for the first time in our life since we moved. A lot of sunshine. And I'm not craving the gloomy days yet. People have told no. us like when you live in a place that's always sun, like you're going to crave those dark, gloomy days. I'm like, well, I'm not what? there yet. <laughs> I, I don't know. I never crave a gloomy day. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds pretty great. <laughs> so I know we were talking earlier about, you know, that episode that you listened to about post-traumatic growth and, and looking at some of the circumstances and traumas and things that may have happened in our lives. And rather than looking at them as like, oh, well, now I'm broken forever or I can't recover that, you know, I know for myself, I have come out the other side feeling so grateful for a lot of the things that I experienced. And I have a a different POV on life and it has like opened me up and awakened me to more possibilities and Uh, I'm thankful for the experiences that I had. And I talk to a lot of people who have had been in similar scenarios in their life, even people who have had terminal illness that, Mm. you know, when they get through it and the other side, they are thankful for that experience. And it's like something like that when you're thinking about is how could somebody be grateful or thankful for having like a terminal illness or something happened to them, but it's the perspective shifts and what, and who you morph into when we go through things, I think that really transform us. So I would love the listeners to just get to know you more in your story because I think it's really powerful. Mm, Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. So I actually grew up in a very cult-like environment. And one of the keys of like, if you're looking at the criteria of a cult, one of them is that they've got sort of their own insider lingo. So when I share my story, I have to like explain what some of the terms mean, because a lot of people are like, what the hell? (laughs) What does that even mean? Um, So I'll try to give you the nutshell version of my story. And if you need to stop me at any point and ask for clarification, happy to do that. But yeah, I'll, I'll start by explaining a few different terms. So I grew up um, in a fundamentalist, uh, independent fundamentalist Baptist church, and there's actually like 20 different types of Baptists. So if somebody grew up Baptist, I'm not, you know, characterizing everybody's Baptist experience this way. But most of both my grandfathers were pastors in this denomination. And there's a lot of, I don't know if you've seen some of the um, news articles coming out about a lot of the abuse and cover-ups in this movement, both the Southern Baptist Convention and also the Independent Fundamentalist Baptist Convention. But um, yeah, so, so it's it's pretty widely seen as a toxic community. But on top of that, on top of having both my grandfather's pastors in this movement, I was also homeschooled. And that can be a great choice for some families. You know, during the pandemic, a lot of people have had to homeschool for safety reasons. Olympic athletes often, you know, homeschool so they can hone their craft. Some people do it because they don't have great school systems and they've got a special needs child. So many reasons to homeschool. And it's actually kind of this large movement with little smaller movements inside. And one of those smaller movements is called the patriarchy movement. And it is exactly like what it sounds like. It's about adherence to the patriarchy. So it's this idea that men are supposed to have power and control over women in the home, in the church, and oftentimes in society. And that a woman's role is to, you know, be a homemaker get married young, um, have lots of babies, say yes to sex. And just really, um, a woman's life is to be centered around like a male head and in her life. And so you've got the homeschooling movement and inside of that, you have the patriarchy movement. And then inside of that, it's sort of like those, um, Russian nesting dolls where they like keep stacking into each other. (laughs) There's another movement inside called the quiverful movement. And the closest pop culture examples I have to that is like the Duggars, 19, 19 Kids and Counting, or Welcome to Plathville. Are you familiar with either of those? The Duggars, yes, but not the latter. Okay. Yeah, it is 
pretty similar. So we didn't have to wear the long skirts like the Duggars, but the idea of having lots of children and the very strict rules, very gendered, very isolated from the world, that was very much my experience. And the term quiverful comes from this um, verse taken out of context text from the Christian Bible in the book of Psalms that says, children are like arrows in a mighty man's quiver. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So it's this, this idea that to be a blessed man, you should have a quiver full of arrows, meaning children. And then you raise those children with this patriarchal mindset. You then shoot them out like arrows into the world. So they sink into different sectors of society, like the home, church, media, schools, government, all the different places. Um, and yes, I would say that Mike Pence was probably one of those arrows. Like it's very strategic and they actually get into some high level places. Um, and as a teenager, I remember sitting through a lecture about something called the 200 year plan. And the 200 year plan was this. Okay, you have 10 children. Those 10 children have 10 children. Those 10 children have 10 children. On and on and on. For 200 years, you're doing this. All your friends are doing this. And at the end of 200 years, you have this astronomical amount of descendants. You're able to dominate the world through overpopulation and basically take over the world with this patriarchal message. Sounds like a multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> yes, but actually your <laughs> clients are, you know, people that you're actually birthed into yeah, the right. world. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's like multi-level marketing on a lot of different levels, but also the product is like your child. <laughs> Super intense. Um, so homeschooling movement, patriarchy movement inside of that's the quiverful movement. And then inside of that, like the very last little doll inside the Russian nesting doll set is the stay at home daughter movement. And what they did, have you heard of stay at home daughters before? No. No. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. If you haven't heard, I was like, good, good. You've had a much better life. <laughs> You've never heard that term. But um, basically, stay-at-home daughters are taking this concept of, okay, well, if adult um, married women are supposed to submit to their husbands, what do we do with these unmarried adult daughters who don't have a man to submit to It'd be a travesty if they just went around making their own decisions. So we'll have them submit to their father until they're given away in marriage to a man that they then submit to have all of those babies homeschool them and perpetuate the system. So that was my life. Um, now, are the, the marriages arranged for women mm -hmm. or are they expecting people to, to find each other more organically? So there's some variation in the movement. There's definitely something called the betrothal movement inside of there. There was actually some betrothal conferences and some issues with child marriage and those types of things. Um, that was not my personal experience. Kind of what we did is we practiced something called courtship. And in our definitions, you had like betrothal where a couple would just completely be set up. They really didn't have a choice in marrying or not. Um, and oftentimes they were children. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have traditional dating where it's really the couple who drives it, makes the decisions if when they you know get married. We practiced courtship, which was in the middle. So there were a lot of strict rules, like no kissing, um, no hand holding till certain points, um, obviously no sex, you know, that kind of stuff. It was very much monitored. And for me, I could say no to a relationship, but I wasn't able to say yes, even as an adult woman, um, without approval. Um from, you know, my father. And then usually there was a lot of input from my grandfather as well. So I actually got into, um, there was multiple types of abuse in this environment. Like that's not surprising when you have so much patriarchal toxicity, but I did actually get into a courtship and we were engaged to be married. It turned out to be abusive and it was a really terrifying experience, um, on top of, you know, growing up in a cult, but, you know, really, I thought that's how most people were. Um, and that anybody who wasn't similar to us in the cult that they, you know, were just evil and of the devil, uh, <laughs> silly things like I really thought um, until, you know, I was well into my adult years that there were actual dinosaurs on Noah's Ark, you know, like that were put on the boat, you know, I thought that, you know, all kinds of stuff about science and history, I didn't get a lot of good, accurate information. 
But um, going back to the uh, abusive relationship, I won't go into a lot of details because we didn't have a trigger warning at the beginning of this, but it wasn't good. It really wasn't good. And when I finally got out of it, still living in the cult, I went through what most people go through after abusive relationships, um, the post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. So there was the panic attacks, the suicidal thoughts, the dark, dark depression, the um, flashbacks and nightmares, and just this overwhelming um, sense of dread in my life. It wasn't so much that I missed the relationship, but just what the trauma had done to me and my body. Mm -hmm. It was really horrific and I didn't know how I could keep living. Um, and then again, keeping in mind, I'm still in this very toxic environment. The relationship felt more toxic than um, the, the family relationship, but that was still, you know, not healthy. And this is kind of a tipping point moment for me because it wasn't so much that I didn't want to be alive. It was more so that when I was awake, my anxiety was just completely overwhelming and crippling. And then when I would sleep, I would have these nightmares about the situation. So it was like there was nowhere to escape. Um, and so what I would do is I would stay up really late at night. When you have a larger size family, you have to do that if you want any peace and quiet anyway. And so I would just put in headphones and I would turn up the music really, really loud just to try to drown out the sound of my own mind. And I would do that night after night. And there was this one night where I had my music on loud and I was actively trying not to think. And all of a sudden I had this feeling of like a presence come over me. It felt heavy and weighty. And then I heard a voice. And it said, it's going to be okay. Something big, something good's about to happen. It's going to be okay. Something big, something good's about to happen. And I was just floored. And, you know, at the time I would have called it something different. But now looking back, I realized that was the voice of my intuition. And it was speaking to me. And it was assuring me that I had a reason to keep living. And that things were eventually going to be okay. And not long after that, I was um, introduced by a friend who briefly visited the church and was like, this is not for me. <laughs> Good for her. But she worked at a coffee shop. She invited me to come visit her. From there, she introduced me to a guy who liked to talk about theology, which was important to me um, as somebody growing up in this movement. But he had a different perspective. He believed in equality for women. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you know, this is, what are you even talking about here? And I'm like, I am a pastor's granddaughter. I know that, you know, women are supposed to submit and, you know, God, you know, has different levels for men and women and all this stuff. And um, I was honestly kind of offended that he would talk to me about this. But he kept kind of poking at me and like found me on Facebook and he would just ask me these questions that I couldn't answer. And uh, I got to this point where I was like, oh, I just got to get him off my back. Like, he's just annoying me. And so I decided, you know, we would just have a debate. And the stereotype is true. Homeschoolers are notoriously good debaters. <laughs> it really is a true stereotype. So I was like, okay, to prepare for this debate, you have to know the other person's argument better than they do. So you can know what their weak points are to kick the legs out from underneath of them. And I had already studied this idea of patriarchy and what the cult's teachings were. I actually had a blog called Stay at Home Daughter where I wrote to about 3,500 women about adherence to the patriarchy. So I knew that side really well. But the debate never had to happen because when I started researching this philosophy of equality for women, I was like, oh my God, I think I've been lied to. <laughs> I think everything they were telling me was just to control me. And what? I think I might be in a cult. And so, wow. <laughs> um, that was sort of like this breakthrough moment. My intuition was right. Like it was going to be okay. Something big was going to happen. Um, but I had this moment of my entire life was built around this concept of women are less than men. Like, that was my whole family system, my whole community. I really didn't know very many people outside of that faith community I was in. Um, I couldn't be a stay-at-home daughter anymore if I believed in equality for women, like all of those things. And 
for a moment, I thought, you know, maybe I can just pretend this didn't happen. I'll just like block him, forget, forget all this and just go back to normal because that'll be easier. But I had this like feeling inside of me of like, once you see the truth, you can't unsee it. And I just couldn't live with myself knowing I'd shut that down. So I kept studying and researching and realizing, okay, quality for women really has some good points to it. (laughs) And maybe I'm actually a feminist now. Um, But my family is not pleased about that. You know, uh, the church community was not pleased about that. Um, There was probably about eight hours worth of just intense, intense um, conversation with my parents and family just about, you know, I need to come back, you know, to the truth, you know, being rebellious and, you know, all of those things. but, you know, I, I couldn't unsee what I'd seen. So I started, like, I bought this crappy car. I had a job as a nanny, you know, making just a little bit of money every, you know, few hours a week. And I started doing really rebellious stuff, like listening to Taylor Swift and going swing dancing and <laughs> dating, you know, stuff I'd never been allowed to do. I snuck out and I went to the movie theater and saw, you know, a movie at the time. Like, it was about Jesus. It wasn't even like an exciting movie. <laughs> But it was so, um, felt so rebellious to me. And in my experience of like real dating, I met my now husband, Will, and he really was the one who physically rescued me from the cult. So like I had been changing logically and having so much tension in my family that I was afraid I would have to leave. And I wasn't really ready for that because never gone to college, nothing like that. Um, but we dated for four months. We were engaged for four months. And then we've been married for um, about six and a half years now. And he physically rescuing me from that was just, just the most amazing thing. He understood um, and was very compassionate towards the abuse I'd experienced. Neither of us knew how toxic my cult experience had been until I was in the safe environment and could see that contrast. Um, but I started writing about some of the abuses I'd experienced and lots of people were reaching out to me about that. And that ended up with me starting a nonprofit. It also gave me the safe place to start really listening to my intuition and, um, having the opportunity to follow through with it because sometimes I would hear intuition, but I wasn't allowed to follow through with it. Um, And I realized how I could have, you know, been protected from a lot of abuse and danger if I'd been able to trust my intuition, trust my gut. Um, But then as I started researching and studying intuition, I began learning about the science of it and the practice of it. And, you know, help me find my soulmate, help me leave a cult, help me move states, help me start a nonprofit, help me start a business. And I use it for everything, picking avocados in the grocery store to just every life decision. and. I guess that's kind of where I am today. I just believe that wherever you are in life, your intuition can help set you free from the expectations people have of you. And when you lean into that um, sense of inner guidance and wisdom, like you can do anything. Anything is possible for you when, when you can tap into that intuitive piece of yourself. Wow, wow, wow. That was... (laughs) You're, you speak so eloquently, first of all, like I was just with you throughout that entire story, just, you know, mm-hmm. beautiful uh, way of articulating what you've been through and you're just so powerful. I'm just so I'm mm-hmm. in awe of you. Thank you for sharing that. It's I have never had an experience actually of meeting anybody who has gone through anything similar to that in coming from a really dogmatic, you know, religious approach and then getting out and seeing the world from a different view. I didn't really even grow up with any religion. So it's just, you know, and that I feel like not growing up with no faith kind of has its stuff too. You know, I'm like, I wish I had been taught that like, there's more to me than this physical body because there, there's a lot of healing that comes with that. Right. And your intuition and just, wow. It's this incredible story that you have to share with people and so inspiring and uplifting. And when you talk about that moment where you had your headphones in and you heard that voice, you know, Mm. this is something I've heard from many people, you know, books I've read and one that comes to mind, really, really famous, Eat, Pray, Love, right? 
And, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that being on the bathroom floor and like crying and just having this moment, you know, as if, you know, God spoke to her, but, you know, whether you want to call it God or your own intuition, your higher self, but that moment where there's an interruption, Paul Check talks about it when he was younger, being a farm, being in the farm and being like, you know, really abused as a child and then having that moment, same thing where something just speaks to him. And so I'm always just so enamored by hearing those stories. And when you heard that voice, if you can remember, you said it sounded like your, your intuition. So was it a loud voice where it sounded like it was coming from outside of yourself? Like as if, you know, I'm talking to you right now, or was it inside of you that you, mm-hmm. it was like a thought, you know, because we think thoughts all the time and thoughts just come up. It's like, where do thoughts come from? Right. They're energies. So I'm curious for you. What was that like? Yeah. So that's a, a really good question. Um, for me, if you'd been sitting beside me, you would not have heard it. It wasn't audible as in somebody else would have been able to hear that piece of intuition. It really did come from the inside. But what was different for me about it was I was actively trying to shut down thought in that moment. I was actively trying to shut down all of my conscious thought. And so when the thought came up, I knew it was something that I did not conjure because I was shutting down the, as I look back now from like a science perspective, my trying to shut down the conscious part of my brain. And so it was coming from my subconscious and that is where your intuition is housed in the subconscious part of your mind. And So it didn't come from the ego. It didn't come from fear. It didn't come from me trying to make something up. It came from a part of me that I was not consciously calling, but that rose from within me. And I just, I heard it. It it sounded like my own voice. And for some people, it might sound like a voice of a relative or, you know, sometimes it communicates in different ways just to get our our attention, but it, it came from inside of me. And, um, yeah, it came when I was actively trying to suppress thought. Yeah. And you mentioned also having that intuition kind of come up even prior to that, but you were not listening to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. One yeah, thing intuition okay. is speaking all the time. Um, but you know, whether it's something that we actively try to ignore or whether we're in a situation where when we hear intuition, we try to follow it, we are you know, like in my situation in a cult where I'm constantly being told you can't trust yourself, you can only trust these men and these men are often not healthy men. Um, And so there are punishments for when you try to do things your own way. So that kind of begins to suppress it and you stop listening to it just out of, you know, self-preservation. Yeah. And just hearing you talk about, you know, the programming, the brainwashing that, you know, goes on in these types of situations. I mean, it happens, it can happen to anyone with anything, you know, I don't think any one of us is really exempt from being pulled into a situation where things feel good. And then, you know, after a while, if your intuition might pop up to be like, Hey, you know, I've had that happen in self-development programs that I've done. I find there's a lot of overlap with, you know, it starts off like really positive and, you know, there's there, they have their own terminology. And, you know, after a while, I, it's almost like my spidey senses go up because things get a little weird. Like they want you to bring people and like, they really want to indoctrinate you into this one way of being. And I've always felt like a very flexible person in my understanding of what is the nature of our reality and what is spirituality. And uh, I think that because I didn't grow up very religious, that allowed me some of that freedom to play and to ask questions because nobody was telling me this is the way it is. And so, um, you know, it comes with its upsides and downsides, but it's really interesting because I think that it can happen in a, in lots of scenarios, even just personal development groups. You can you know, get lost in the sauce all of a sudden and be like, "Uh oh, you know, and I think it's about it really is about using your intuition and your own compass, because Mm. I have no regrets about being in some of those things. Just when it got to a point where they asked something of me that I didn't feel comfortable with, I walked away where a lot of people feel pressure and they stay and then it escalates from there. So Mm -hmm. 
you know, talking about our intuition, I want to go a little bit more to that because I know you help a lot of people with mm. like building that muscle, we can call it the muscle, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you tune into it, tap into it and, and build that so people can live their life from that place, which is them, their higher self, not their programs, not their, what they've been brainwashed to think is right but what is really right for them. So how do you build this muscle, Ashley? Mm, So I want to talk about that. But before we do, I just wanted to affirm what you're saying about like some of the self-development groups and things. um, Because cults are on a scale. Um, You have some of the really intense, you know, Jim Jones, drink the Kool-Aid cults that people are very much able to identify at least after the fact you've got cults like Scientology that you know are very very um large and well known and well documented but then there's cults that are family groups where you have you know one charismatic leader particular doctrine and a way you have to follow things and um you're not able to have that free choice and so you're right it doesn't just happen to happen in religious contexts it can happen in self-development groups it can happen in um you know aa communities a lot of times those are great but also they've sometimes had some problems with them turning into cults and like particular chapters, not speaking against the whole thing but just it happens more often than people think and Everybody is vulnerable to a cult. Um, it's not because you're dumb. It's not because you're um, something is wrong with you. But the way cults often get people is either they're born into it like I was, or they're in a transitional part of their life where they've maybe stepped away from a community and they're looking for something new. Maybe they've had a death in the family. A lot of times college kids are prone to them because they're moving away from their support system. There's a lot of times in our life when we are in a transitional state, we're looking for a new community and cults can gravitate towards um, people who are in those states. So for anybody who's listening, just know that a cult doesn't have to look like a compound. It can be anything. And that is why it's so important to be in touch with your intuition, because like you said, some of these communities have really valuable tools, at least in the you know lower levels of the group. Even Scientology has a great personality test. You know that's how they get people. But then after that, it gets kind of weird. Um, so yes, it is important to develop these skills and to really understand how you can enhance your intuition. You've got to understand a little bit of the brain science behind it. And so I'm gonna just geek out a little oh, bit. Oh please. I'm like I so I'm so obsessed with the brain lately and <laughs> and you know neurology. I'm like, let's go. But I want to say this before I forget to say it because um I really think a lot of it has to do with seeking belonging. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that as humans and like what mm. we seek and what you know, I think belonging is something that a lot of us look to in so many different ways. And we feel like we just don't fit in or we don't belong. I'm different. Right. And yeah, I have a lot to say about that later. We're going to we're, we're going to table that. I want to hear about your geeking out over the brain because I'm so here okay. for it. Yeah, let's totally come back to the community thing, because, yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts on that, too. <laughs> um, OK, so. The way intuition works, I, I kind of want to contrast it with the way the ego works. And when I talk about ego, I just really mean that part of you that is trying to keep you safe. It's trying to um, protect you from perceived threats. A lot of people demonize the ego, and I really don't like that because it's developed for a reason, and sometimes it can be good and helpful. The problem is it just has a limited perspective. Hey, it's kind of like a little child who is nervous about, you know, the monster in the closet, not really realizing that there's not actually a monster in the closet, you know, so they're afraid of things that they don't necessarily need to be afraid of. um, But they're coming from a true, honest place. So I don't believe in eradicating the ego or killing or having the ego death. I think that is just too extreme. And if we were to completely get rid of our egos, like it would just we wouldn't be able to survive in the 3D world. <laughs> we really couldn't. Yeah. Um, but you've got these 
different parts in your brain, so many different parts, but I'm just going to simplify it for the sake of this conversation. You have the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain. And the left side of your brain is super analytical. That's where your conscious mind is. That's where your ego is. And the conscious ego side of your brain, it is always looking for threats. It's always looking for ways to protect you. And so if you're walking in the woods and you see a bear, your ego is going to be like, ah, a bear, you need to run. Okay. In that instance, that's great. You should probably listen to your ego and get, get the hell out of there. Um, but you know, if you're walking in the woods and you hear just like a little crack in the woods and then your ego's like, ah, it's a bear, you need to run. And it was actually just a deer walking through, you know? So it's, it has a limited perspective. It's not always right. Your ego can only see the things that are in front of you, you know, experience the things that are in front of you that you're experiencing right now. And then also um, the limited amount of memories that you can consciously recall. Okay, that is the data that your ego is pulling from. It's it's pulling from the things that are in front of you and the memories you can recall. And we have so, so, so many more memories than we can recall. <laughs> um, so it's trying to do its best. The way it tries to get your attention is through fear, anxiety, um, heightened emotion, a lot of like hyper, oh, you should do this. You shouldn't do that. You know, watch out for this burden. Ah, you know, just a lot of the hyper energy. Okay. So that's how it's going to feel. And we'll talk back about that in a moment. Your intuition, on the other hand, it lives in the right side of your brain, your subconscious mind. and the way your conscious brain works is when it is trying to solve a problem for you, when it's trying to give you an answer to something, it goes through an analytical process that you are consciously aware of. So an example would be solving a math problem. Okay, so you're given this math problem and you're consciously going to try to solve it by thinking back to high school or college where you learned how to do it. You've got to then try to recall all the steps. Then you have to work all the steps. You have to hope that all those steps you worked are right and that you're not dyslexic like me and you flipped the six and the nine or forgot to carry the one. And maybe the answer's the right, maybe it's not. And it also took you a lot of time to get there. Okay, that's, that's how that side of your brain works. Your intuition inside your subconscious mind goes through a similar analytical process, but it has access to so many more data points than your conscious mind. It has access to the memories you can't recall. It keeps a record of every memory and experience you've ever had. And not just those memories and experiences, but also the energy and the feelings of all those things. It has access to energy in general. So I'm sure you've walked into a room before where nobody's talking, but you just instantly know an argument just went down. I don't know what it was about, but I can feel it in the air. <laughs> you know, something feels off. Um, then other times, maybe you meet a person, you're like, I've only, they've only just introduced themselves to me and I just know their name, but all of a sudden I just know that we're going to be connected for a long time. Um, so intuition can pick up on energy like that. It can also pick up on um, DNA and ancestral memory um, held in your body through epigenetics. So if your ancestors had experiences and memories and things that they went through, your DNA can carry some of that and your intuition has access to that wisdom and knowledge. Um, it also has access to fetal memory, memories and things that you experienced in the womb, um, quantum energy. So, you know, all of the information of the universe, some people call it the Akashic records, but really from a science standpoint, it's just the, all of the information of the world in the quantum realm, your um, intuition has access to that data and so many other things. Um, and in addition to that, when your intuition is given an opportunity to solve a problem, give you a solution, not only does it have access to more data, but it goes through a similar analytical process to your conscious mind, but it does it super fast. It does it within one to three seconds. It gets that answer and then it pings it to your conscious mind and lets you know in the form of some type of an intuitive hit. All right. So the one example I'd like to use is just like for maybe people who are like, oh, I'm getting kind of lost with the details here. If you have your desktop computer, your conscious mind is like the files that you have on your desktop and you can have a lot of files, but there's a limit. And your intuition is like when you pull up the search bar and you're able to search all of the documents and files on your hard drive 
and even the information from the old computers that you had that you transferred over, like it can, it can get all of that information. And then the search button, it just gives you the answer really quickly. That's how intuition works. Now, when it's trying to get your attention because it's had an intuitive hit, it uses four main ways to communicate with you. Um, the first way I already shared an experience about that hearing in your mind's ear. So it's probably not going to be audible, but, you know, hearing a word or a phrase or a maybe even song lyrics sometimes or a sound that means something to you, your intuition will give your attention and you'll be able to understand and decode what that means because it'll use something that makes sense to you in like, quote unquote, hearing form. And the other way your intuition can speak is through um, seeing. And I'm going to put that in quotation marks too, because you're probably not going to have a physical apparition come in front of you. If you do, that's cool, but that's probably something else, <laughs> not just intuition. Um, but it could be like a picture or image or color or symbol in your mind's eye. You might see it in a meditation or in a dream, or you'll just have like this picture pop up where you're going through your day. And that'll give you an intuitive message. Um, the other way is through a sense of feeling. So people talk about gut feelings. So it can literally be a feeling in your gut or it could be chills down your arms and legs. It could be the hair standing up on end, you know, down your neck. It could be, you know, if you've ever you know, had an older person say, you know, I know it's about to rain. I can feel it in my elbow. You know, <laughs> that's intuition too. Um, and then the last main way that intuition speaks is through just a sense of knowing. And that's when your intuition goes through all those data points. It comes to an answer and it just pings it up. And all of a sudden you just know it. And you're like, I don't know how I know this. I don't know what the analytical process was to get here. But all of a sudden I've got some information and it feels right and true. So that's, that's how intuition shows up and speaks. But people can get confused because the ego likes to be sneaky and try to mimic that because the ego is trying to like keep you safe. And it's like, oh, okay, she listens to this. So I'm gonna, you know, try to make something sound a little bit like this to get her attention. But there's some key differences between the intuition and ego. And when you know those differences, it's much easier to decipher between intuition and ego. So the ego is always going to use, you know, things like fear, anxiety, panic, hyper energy. It's going to be all over the place. There's going to be strong emotion, whether it's strong fear or even strong desire. And when you get to the bottom of that strong desire, it's usually you really desire it because you're afraid of not having it. <laughs> um, but it'll masquerade as like a strong desire. Um, it'll just be that hyper energy. It'll be all over the place. It'll be kind of second guessing that kind of energy. The intuition is going to be calm, cool, clear, precise, emotionless. It's going to be like, this is the right path, or don't talk to that person, or this is what you need to do. It's just going to be very calm, clear, and direct. And you might have emotion about what your intuition says, but your intuition itself is not going to use strong emotion and it will never use fear mm -hmm. to get your attention. So when you can feel into those two different energies and maybe think to times in your life when you've had those different feelings in your body, it becomes much easier to know when it's intuition talking and when it's ego talking. And when it's intuition, you can always follow it. When it's ego, you better take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, so many thoughts right now about what you're sharing. And um, when it comes to the ego kind of playing its trickery on us, just a, I think an example that I'm thinking of really simple would be if you have this, don't talk to that person. Mm -hmm. And then you have this, you know, other, this side of you that goes, but we're a nice person and we are <laughs> accepting of everyone. And yeah, they might seem a little off, but you know, I'm trying to open myself up right now. And then you override that part of you that said, yeah. don't talk to that person. So this is definitely something like, I think the more you trust your intuition and have experiences where you do that thing and then it didn't work out, that's when, you know, cause it's a little bit like, you know, a child puts their hand on the stove and they're like, oh, okay, <laughs> don't do that again. You know? So I definitely, that's why I think it is like a muscle and it's not something that 
at least for myself, and I don't, I, I don't think for Mackie either, we weren't brought up to, to really acknowledge these unseen forces, you know, like the quantum realm that we're in. We weren't, we weren't taught to think of ourselves as spiritual beings. It was just, okay, I don't know why we're here. You know, the big bang. And this is at least what I, what I experienced when I was growing up. You're just here. Okay. Well, what's my purpose? I don't know. What do you want to be when you grow up? Okay. So my purpose is just that I have to find like the job that I enjoy. And then, okay. I see that people have families and they like do all, they go to college and like, there's all these things. And it's like, wow. Okay. I guess that's just the path that's, you know, laid out for, for us. And it's different for each person, depending on how they were brought up. Right. And that's, a lot of our subconscious also just houses programs too. Yeah. And just, you yeah. know, our automatic responses to things. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I don't think a lot of people talk about intuition. Um, I think when we had more matriarchal societies, we were like when you look at women's circles and I do like women's circles inside of my membership program, because when you're able to kind of project all that energy in a circle versus in sort of a straight line, outward, just like focusing on one person, you're able to, you know, feel different perspectives and you're able to use empathy and empathy is a tool of really tuning into intuition because you're feeling into the energy of others. Um, but patriarchal society often overemphasizes the logical mind and the logical mind is actually not that logical because even when we're thinking we're making logical decisions, it's usually pretty emotion-based. So you know, there's that, but it's been told that, you know, it's even called women's intuition because it's like, oh, a women's thing, women are more emotional, yada, yada. When in fact, intuition, there's hard science behind it and it is going through an analytical process but it's doing it below the surface. And it's so much more accurate than just what we can, you know, consciously try to run programs on. And so I think it's been misunderstood and it's been seen as like um, a women's thing. And in a patriarchal culture, women's things are deemed as less than when in fact, it's just a human thing and anybody can tap into it and use it. Um, and when you look at people who are successful in their fields, like Oprah, you know, she was a poor African-American woman who has risen to great fame and she has used her intuition to get there. You know, um, Albert Einstein, all of his amazing accomplishments, intuition, he talks about that. Um, Steve Jobs, even though I'm not a huge fan of his personality, like he did some amazing things for the world. Intuition. Well, let's... And yeah. Talk about that because I think that sometimes I find it helpful to kind of change words out for people who have really, this isn't a part of their language. Right. So we could also say creativity in a sense, like where does that creativity come from? The field, mm -hmm. right? It's like unseen yeah. forces. Right. All of a sudden you're getting a hit. You have this yeah. idea. Mm -hmm. didn't exist prior. Right. Where does that come from? And yeah. I don't think people think about it. Like, oh, I just got, I'm just creative. It's like, but where have you ever thought about where does that creativity or that aha moment, where is that coming from? I mean, oftentimes when I have my most creative thoughts, it's like, if I'm forcing it and I'm trying to really create something, <laughs> it's terrible. And then when I get out of the way and just like allow myself to be sort of a conduit of like whatever's coming through and just writing down whatever is coming into my head, then like it's much better. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. And if you think back to my story where I was like trying to shut down really the logical part of my mind, that's when it's so much easier for the intuition to come through. And you can actually use tools to, you know, set the environment for the intuition, the creativity to flow. Because like you said, when you're trying to force it, that's that's just not how intuition works. <laughs> yeah. Um. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> where am I pulling from right now? I mean, I, okay, this is where I was thinking. This podcast is actually a perfect example of, of how intuition works because I was just lying on the couch 
and it was a hit. I have to start the, a podcast. Not only do I have to start this podcast, but I have to start it tonight. I'm not, wow. I don't have to wait till tomorrow. Next week, it happens tonight. And yeah. we just got up and we were like, what is the name of this podcast? That came pretty effortlessly too. And then we recorded like a couple hours later, our intro and everything. We even made a, uh, it's not our logo now, but we even made a logo everything that night. And that for me felt very much like I'm being guided to do something. It was not something that I had planned. It just mm -hmm. felt like I am being led and I am feeling so much energy in my body and excitement around this. And it was effortless, not effortful. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've been really trying to practice is having a life that is much more easeful and mm. playful and enjoyable and fun. And when you live from the intuition, that is nat natural. And I believe that that is our natural way of being. Human beings mm -hmm. are naturally here to have joy and to be playful and blissful. And it shouldn't have to be so fucking hard. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. That sounds like a total intuition experience. I mean, you probably could have created something if you had efforted, but it wasn't going to be that easy. It wasn't going to be that perfect. It wasn't going to be that aligned until you just allowed your intuition to be like, Hey, this is what you need to do. And you followed it. See, that's the other thing. A lot of times people get those hits and they're like, Oh, that's crazy. You know, I can never start a podcast tonight, but you followed it. And that's where the magic happens. Like the intuition can speak and give you the ideas, but you have to take the action. So it really is a co-creation process. Yeah. I keep thinking about this story because it, just reminds me of what we're talking about. But I recently started watching this Netflix. Uh, it's like a reality series, but it's about a woman who was in the Orthodox community her whole life up until she was in her 30s. And yeah. she left and she started her own uh, designer shoe brand. And mm. She had so much courage and her intuition was just guiding her to leave, even though it's the same. It's a patriarchal, you know, um, culture, the same thing where yeah, women yeah. just, you know, have babies and you're not allowed to even show your hair or your shoulders, you know. And the only way that she was able to express herself in that community was her shoes. So mm. she had loved shoes. And so this was like, I... I'm going to start a shoe collection. Didn't know how she was going to do it. And she was sitting in a cafe and this woman just commented on her shoes. Like, I love your shoes. And she said, well, yeah. I'm actually trying to want to start a shoe collection. And it happened to be the buyer for Harrods in London. You know, just the wow. most like wild, like synchronistic moment. And from there her life took off and she had that shoe collection. And now she's the major CEO of this modeling agency. And it's not even been a decade of her being out of the community. Mm -hmm. And she is like flying high on cloud nine, just, you know, listening to that intuition that said, you know, leave and, and live your life and follow your dreams. But yes, a lot of people don't, don't follow their, their intuition and their hits. Do you have, ways that you support your clients that you work with on getting into this? Because I always love learning about tools that people use. Yes, that story is so amazing too. And you can just see how intuition is an integral part of manifestation um, as well, because if you've ever had an experience, like when you are thinking of a friend and all of a sudden they text you, you know, out of the blue, like you all are both picking up on the same intuitive energy. And when you're able to pick up on that same energy, you know, intersections happen, alignment happens. So when the woman on that show was pulling in this intuitive energy about this shoe line, and then, you know, law of attraction happens and somebody else was, you know, pick up, picking up on that um, energy as well. And so they're in the same space. And then, like you said, the, the action has to take place. I mean, it's just such a beautiful thing. Um, so I think kind of the first step when I'm working with clients is just reiterating to them how it can change your life. So a story like that, that can 
completely changed her life. And when you um, neglect to listen to your intuitive nudges, you're really setting down opportunities that could be game changers and, you know, really propelling you into to the life of your dreams. But what happens is for a lot of people, they don't trust their intuition. They don't feel like they can, whether that's because of conditioning, whether that's because of past experiences of thinking it was intuition, but it was really ego and not being clear on those two. So something that I like to um, recommend to my clients is start with little things. Um, go to the grocery store and ask your intuition to help you pick out the best fruit. Just go to the grocery store, pick out the best fruit and just trust it. Like it's a little thing and just build up trust with that. Then go on a walk and ask your intuition, should I take a right or a left? Should I turn here or here? Should I keep going straight or go back? And just try it with little things. And you begin to notice, like we, I have my clients uh, practice these follow your gut days and the amazing places their intuition leads them. Sometimes it is um, to meet a person that they haven't seen in months and they had no idea they were going to see. And their intuition was just like, go here and here and here. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen this person since the pandemic. Um, you know, th that kind of thing happens, or it leads them to a playful scenario in a park or to see a beautiful butterfly that means something to them. So try to practice using your intuition on little low stakes areas to build that relationship. And when you feel confident there and you've been able to see the magic happen in those little situations, then you're going to feel a lot more confident when your intuition is like, no, you need to turn down that job. Even though it pays more than you could ever imagine, you need to turn it down. And then when you turn it down, this other thing just blows up and you're like, oh my gosh, this is what I was supposed to do. And if I'd said yes to this, that would never opened up. But you're probably not going to have the trust in yourself to do that if you haven't built up trust in small ways. So really start with the small things um, and, and let it get big. Then just hearing your intuition's voice. I love to teach my clients to practice the three second rule, because remember, intuition gets answers really quickly. Unlike your ego brain where it like overanalyzes pros and cons lists, da -da -da. intuition can ping up an answer within one to three seconds. After the three seconds, ego gets involved and starts doing the pros and cons list. But before that, it's usually your intuition. And so just tuning in during the day and saying, okay, what do I need to do next? And just whatever that first thing that is that comes up, following that, following that. Um, you've probably heard of people who use that in, you know, test taking, you know, whatever their intuition says first, and then they, you know, pros and cons list their way out of it. And then they choose a different answer. And then later they're like, oh, damn, that was the right answer. I should have gone with my gut. So using the three second rule can be really helpful. But then I'm sure your audience has heard this a lot of times, but in uh, intuition is really helped by meditation meditation is huge. And I'm not talking about just sitting there trying to, you know, just, um, and, you know, clear your mind going on like guided meditations. You know, sometimes people's minds are so busy that they can't focus on just their breath. So go through a guided meditation that brings you to meet your higher self, which is an embodiment of your intuition and ask that higher self questions and wait for the responses. I, I guide my clients through those all the time and they've had just these powerful messages that I didn't prompt them to. I was just like, now ask a question. Now wait for the answer. And afterwards they're like, oh my God, my intuition told me X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, there was no way I prompted that. You know, um, that was totally their intuition. So those are three ways. And like, let me see, maybe, um, uh, let me think of one more. There's so many. Cultivating empathy, that's a big one. If you want to become more psychic, you need to become more empathetic because intuition is all about picking up energy of other people. And empathy is all about standing in somebody else's shoes and feeling what they're feeling and then showing kindness towards them based on that. And so if you want to be able to feel more what other people are feeling, if you want to be able to read the room in a business meeting, if you want to be able to know when your family or friends is having a bad day, 
practice empathy and just putting yourself in other people's shoes. And as you grow in your empathy, your intuition is going to skyrocket. And so that that's another area of focus that I really think is overlooked. But if you want to be more psychic, be more empathetic. I think a lot of people want to be more psychic. (laughs) I think that was definitely, that was a goal of mine when I first started having an awakening. So, oh, I want these, I want to have gifts. You know, I think it kind of is an exciting part, but through educating myself and meeting a lot of people and, and learning more about the nature of our being that we all have this intelligence, we're all psychic, we're all intuitive. It's just can you tune the channel a little bit? And because there's a lot of static and a lot of noise with the ego mm-hmm. and with the prog- your programming and with your environment. And so the meditation really does help to tune it, spending mm-hmm. time with yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't, I, I personally think there's no right or wrong way to meditate. Right, right. <laughs> and that was something that got in my way for a long time. It was like, well, I can't do it because right. I'm not doing it right because I can't like turn my brain off and it's like that's not the that's not the point like thoughts are going to come and you can just notice them you don't have to attach to them so they're kind of wild sometimes you know and that is like you're talking about the subconscious housing like everything I mean we went and we were doing a like a heart meditation the other day Mackie and I and all of a sudden I was in my uh my aunt who had passed away this last year I was in her house I was Mm. in the room I used to sleep in and I just started getting so emotional because it was just like, I was just overcome with this. Like, why am I in here? And just made me think of honestly, like a lot of gratitude in that moment for the good times that I had experienced as a child, like when I was in that space. And so sometimes things like that are just so, I think that they're so incredible that all of a sudden you could be transported or you get like, vision like a inside all in your mind's eye and I think also training myself to kind of realize like oh psychic doesn't mean that you're seeing an apparition psychic doesn't mean you're hearing a voice that's not yours like you know it's it's like as if you're schizophrenic in a sense you know like everybody's Mm -hmm. is different you know we experience it differently for me it's always like I I hear the intuition in my Mm -hmm. inside so it sounds like my own thought but it's a different resonance like you're talking Mm -hmm. about it's kind it's loving it's quick. It's like yeah. very, like, it's very assertive, but in a mm-hmm. loving way. Yes. And then the mind's eye, like seeing pictures, just seeing a, you know, a symbol that I've never, that I didn't have never attached to before. Those are always interesting too. I'll bring my clients also through lots of these guided meditations because so much comes through them because you're not in your conscious mind anymore. You're going right. into, you're going inside. So Mm-hmm. I'm sure the listeners are going to have fun trying some of these techniques <laughs> and tools out. Um, and for those who are interested in working with you more, or working to kind of hone these skills or want more support, where can they find you and what are you offering? Yeah. So one of the things we kind of briefly talked about was community. Oh, yeah. Look at you. Bit. Look at you pulling, <laughs> pulling from the memories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people are really wanting right now is healthy, safe community that empowers them to be their fullest self without making them reliant on some type of a leader. And that's really where a danger can lie. Like, you should be your own guru. You know, you shouldn't, you know, just be completely reliant on somebody else outside of you. And it can be hard to find communities that really promote self uh, reliance, but that's what I promote inside of my intuitive success membership. Everything is geared towards you going within and listening to your intuition and learning more ways to do that and become more free within yourself. You know, we do circles. And so, yes, I facilitate the monthly intuition circles. But it's a place where people's voices can be heard. They can share their perspectives. They can share what their intuition is bringing up through for them through the practices that we do as a group. And so it's not centered around, you know, one leader. And 
when you can begin to trust yourself like that, you can use that in all different areas of your life. And yes, inside the membership, I do uh, two monthly card readings for each person um, in the membership. And so we're able to mingle our intuition together. But I always go back to like, but you have this power inside of you. And this is how you can hone it and grow it. Um, But that being said, when we're our own leaders, that can get like a lonely experience too, because most people are, you know, on the path to just following somebody else. And so this is a community of intuitive leaders who are leading themselves, but also want to have that community and that warmth of other souls who are on this journey. Um, And so if people are interested in the intuitive success membership, they can just go to ashleyeaster.com slash membership. Um, And that's just like a monthly thing that I do. Um, and then I, let's see, I've, I've got, depending on when this episode comes out, I'll have my launch of intuition mastery, which is the six week course going from intuition curious to full on intuitive master, where I teach you like all the science of intuition, all the tools, there's all these different practices. Um, we talk about intuitive health and eating. We talk about decoding dreams. We use all kinds of different practices so you can really have the knowledge, skills, and tools to really change your life in a massive way and be a master. And um, so you can find information on that with, you know, my Instagram page. Um, I'm just at I am Ashley Easter. And then a free gift for anybody who's like, okay, that all sounds good, but I want something today. I want something right now. My free intuition versus ego toolkit. It's just ashleyeaster.com slash toolkit. And that has like a small um ebook like a mini ebook that tells you the difference between intuition and ego there's these journal prompts you can really feel in your body the intuition and ego differences and then there's a tap in tap out meditation that can just take you into connecting with the intuition fast because a lot of times we want to talk to our intuition because we need to know something right now <laughs> and so um those that tool is available completely free And of course, I'd love to connect with anybody who, you know, wants to chat about intuition, some of your questions, DMs, and um, yeah, would, would really love to connect with anyone in your community that wants to learn more. This was so awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us and telling us your story. And you're just remarkable. I'm going to say it again, because I just feel so grateful that we got to connect and I got to hear your story and our listeners got to hear. And, uh, what you're doing and what you're sharing with people is very powerful and really empowering. You know, when, when uh, I take my clients through this, I know when you take your clients through this, the, the level of agency that comes out of it, of people being able to really pursue and live the life of their dreams, not others, but their, right. their dreams, right? And what that leads to and what magic gets created from that is just so phenomenal. And as Ashley's talking about circles that she leads, I have been um, really fortunate to go to a couple in-person circles since I've moved Mm -hmm. to Boulder with this beautiful Kayla Sacred Sister Collective she has. And it's very powerful when you are in a space like that. So I just love that you're doing that with people. And it's, it's all about the feminine energy, intuitive energy, which really is part of who we all are. And we have to come from both places. The masculine creates the form and the feminine is the creative, you know, and when those things are in harmony, well, you're just pretty much unstoppable. So (laughs) (laughs) definitely check out what Ashley has to offer. And just thank you so much for coming on to the show. It was really my pleasure. You are just such a beautiful couple. And um, I thank you for the experience. Yeah.